Jesus name amen greetings beloved in Jesus name amen the psalmist says I was glad when they said unto me let us go into the house of the Lord amen it's always a blessing to come to the house of the Lord amen and I want to start by asking you three questions and these are personal questions can you hear me at the back okay so the speakers you can put one of the speakers there at the back because we've got to compete with the, the noise so maybe one of the speakers at the back for the people at the back if they don't hear me but the rest of you you can hear me well amen so I was still saying I'll ask I'll start by asking you three personal questions and uh, you need to think about them it's for you individually so the first one is how will you be remembered after you leave this earth how will you be remembered after you leave this earth because each one of us came for a specific reason on earth because if there was no reason why you came on earth then you could have as well not been born okay so then it's a fair question to ask how will you be remembered after you leave this earth what legacy will you leave behind what legacy will you leave behind and what impact are you making on this earth how will you be remembered when you depart after you have departed what legacy will you leave behind and what impact are you making i hope that you didn't come on earth just to eat food and depart amen tell your neighbor i hope you didn't come on earth just to eat food and depart there should be a reason why god created you because if the world would have the world would have been complete without you then why did you come and today also will be having baby dedication so babies are still continuing to be born which means there are still some more things to do here on the earth and definitely it can't be just eating food and die we say so and so came on earth she ate food and died is that how you want to be remembered and it means each one of us there is a special reason why we came on earth can we go to the book of ecclesiastes chapter 6 verse 3 in the easy to read version erv so those three personal questions are for you because you came on earth and you will leave this earth okay we came on earth we will leave this earth but then what impact are we making what legacy are we going to leave behind and how will we be remembered ecclesiastes 6 verse 3 in the easy to read version it reads a man might live a long time and have 100 children but if he is not satisfied with those good things 
and if no one remembers him after his death, I say that a baby who dies at birth is better off than that man. Did you hear that? It says, if no one, it doesn't matter how long you lived on earth, it doesn't matter how many children, it even says, even if you had a hundred children, but if no one remembers you after death, the preacher says, a baby who dies at birth is better off than that man. Because the baby who dies at birth did not have an opportunity to make an impact on the earth. The baby who dies at birth did not have an opportunity to do anything on earth. Each of us, we came here, we did not die at birth. It means there is something that we should be doing here on the earth. And we have to live a legacy. So that's why today I want to talk with you about what legacy will you leave behind. And if you look all through the Bible, anybody who made an impact, usually you will hear them being mentioned by name. But those who made no impact, sometimes you will just hear how many people left Israel, uh, Egypt. Maybe they are just given a number. But you don't get singled out. You remember even when Jesus was squished by, squashed by the crowd in Mark 5. We hear about the woman with the issue of blood. But the Bible tells us there was a crowd. Why is not everybody on the crowd mentioned? Because they made no impact. We don't have space for people who don't make impact. Amen. Because there is a reason why you are on earth. And even when we depart, will the Lord say, well done, you good and faithful servant? In other words, sometimes we come on earth, you find either you just eating food or you are competing with others on things that's not even your mission. Okay? There is a reason why each one of us came on earth individually. I hear that no matter how many people are in the whole world, apparently the, your fingerprints are yours only. There is no other person in the whole earth with the same fingerprints as yours, which means you are unique. But is there also a unique thing that you have come on earth for? How will you be remembered? And sometimes you find we are in church like this, do you also just want to be told that Jesus the Savior Church had so many people and your name is not mentioned? Isn't it better that sometimes we are mentioned because we are making a difference? Go with me to the book of 1 John chapter 3 verse 8. I want to show you that even Jesus when he came on earth there was a reason. And he had to fulfill the assignment of his coming on earth. Which means even each one of us when we come on earth there is a reason. And we have to fulfill the reason for our coming on the earth. Amen. First John 3.8 NIV says the one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Why did the Son of God appear? 
to destroy the devil's work. So Jesus came to undo what the devil tried to do. Because when God created us from the beginning, everything was perfect. But the devil came and distorted and made everything that was perfect to no longer be perfect. Now Jesus had to come to undo the works of the enemy. And you remember even when he was going to face the cross. Because when Jesus was on the earth, he was 100% a human being like you and I. That's why he was born of a person. So that when he lived on earth, he did not live as God, but he lived as a human being. That's why you would hear the Bible says, Jesus was hungry. Jesus wept at the tomb of Lazarus. Which means he was a human being like you and I when he was on the earth. Okay? So if he was a human being like you and I when he was on the earth, that's why in the garden of Gethsemane, when he was looking at how he was going to die, he knew that he would be separated from God because God cannot have union with sin. So when Jesus would be carrying our sins, he would be separated from God at that moment. And he even thought of the physical pain that he was going to suffer on the cross. And you remember when he said, if it's possible, may this cup pass from me? But he came for a mission, so it was not possible that the, pass, the cup should pass because for this reason you came to die for our sins. You came to do something for us to destroy the works of the enemy. Now go with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. And now for this one, this is for all of us. Okay? So because we can say Jesus came to do this, Moses came to do this, that one came to do this, but all of us, we were created to come and make an impact on the earth, to come and do something good on earth. So Ephesians 2.10 NIV says, For we are God's handiwork. Okay? We are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Tell your neighbor we are God's handiwork. Amen. And tell your neighbor that God creates nice things only, like me. You know, when we grew up, some of the people were funny. They would look at your head and start talking things. They look at this and talk this as if you created yourself. God is, I'm a handiwork of God. Okay? I am God's handiwork. So it means whoever talks about me as if I'm not a masterpiece, it's ill-informed. Amen. Because you, you were not copied. You are an original creation of God. So it says, I am God's handiwork. But now when God was doing this handiwork, when God was creating me, I know when we grew up, our parents also would do handiwork, whether you do a pot with clay or you carve something out of wood. But when you do that pot with clay, you had something in mind 
to you that this pot will be used for this and this and this. So similarly, when I am God's handiwork, when God was creating me, he was saying, he will be preaching at Jesus the Savior Church on such and such a time. That's why the enemy could not even kill me up to now. Because I am God's handiwork. There is something that I need to do here on the earth. So similarly, you are still here. Which means your mission is not yet accomplished. There is work to do. But it says we are created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. For me, this verse says, no one was created to be evil. No one was created for bad works. Even people that you would say, this one is a murderer, this one is a gangster, this one is a thief, this one is a what, what. It's just because the devil came and perverted something about you. But Jesus came to restore you to your original purpose. Tell your neighbor Jesus came to restore you to your original purpose. It can't be that God created you just to come here and be bad and cause troubles all around the world and then after that you get killed and you depart. No. It means the enemy has deceived you because you were not created for that. He says we were created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. Tell your neighbor you have been created for good works. Amen. Let's go to Ephesians 1.11 NIV. Ephesians 1 NIV it says in him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. This verse is loaded. It says in him we were chosen having been predestined. The other time I told you that word predestined is made of two words. There is a word pre and there is a word destination. Okay? So in other words your ending is already set. How you will end up is already set but it also depends it all depends on whether you will follow the plan. Do you know that even when builders build, usually like already we have a plan for the church that looks nice and beautiful, so we need to display it so that some of you may look at that and be excited. Now you start having a plan and you look toward that plan. Okay? And then you follow the plan. So if the builders are building and they don't follow the plan and they do things and it skews and all that, what do we say to them? You need to break and make it according to the plan. So similarly, if your life is not following God's plan. There is some chiseling that is needed so that you can follow the plan. So that your destination, you may reach your destination. Because if you are predestined, you are predestinated. I'm predestined for greatness. 
Amen. And I believe you are too. Because you are God's masterpiece. Amen. Tell your neighbor, I'm predestined for greatness. I'm predestined for God's glory. Amen. So, I may not be there yet. But my destination is set. That I'm created for good works. And it says, according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. So there is a plan. My ending is already predetermined, but it is for good. Because some of you will say, no, we, some of us are predestined for hell. Some of us are predestined for bad things. No. It's just that you probably, you, 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 you're taking a detour from where God wanted you to do, but the plan is there. Amen. God created you for good works. God created you to make a difference here on the earth. God created you for his glory. So if whatever is happening or whatever happened in your life, you got off track. It's not late yet. You can get back on track and fulfill your destination. Fulfill your plan on the earth. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. I'll read it from verse 11 to verse 23 in the message translation. Because Ephesians chapter 1, actually Ephesians chapter 1, it talks a lot of things, how God purposed some things even before he created us. While Genesis talks from the time that we get created or from the beginning coming this way. But Ephesians also say, before even the world was created. God already had you in mind. So there was no way that you could not be born. Even if your parents say you were a mistake. They just don't know that there was no way that this world would be complete without you. Amen. That's why you are here. But now don't depart without bringing any value here on the earth. Ephesians chapter 1, 11 to 23 message translation, it says, It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. So did you get this? I want to connect this with the earlier verse that we read which says, We are predestined and God works out everything to conform to his plan. And I told you that nobody was created to be evil. But here it says, It is only in Christ that you can find what we are living for and what we were created for. So it means when I'm not in Christ, I may go astray because I don't know why I was created. Amen? Do I have people who are in Christ here? If you are in Christ, you know why you were created. You know why you are here on the earth. It says, Long before we heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eyes on us. In other words, even before I became a Christian, he already knew and he, was, he had his eyes on me, following me. Amen? And making sure that I connect with people who will aid me into my destiny. Amen? 
There is a reason why you are at Jesus the Savior Church at such a time as this. Because God makes you connect with the people that will connect you to your destiny. You remember these words that were told to Joshua. God says to Joshua, do not go to the left or to the right, but you need to obey me and do all that I've told you to do. Be strong and courageous. And then he says, it is you who will make these people inherit their land. So they needed a Joshua to help them to inherit their land. So I may be acting like your Joshua now, but I won't inherit your land for you. I help you to inherit your land. We teach you to inherit your land, your possession, whatever you came here on earth for. So it says long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eyes on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. It's in Christ that you, once you heard the truth and believed, if the message of your salvation found yourselves home free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This signet from God is the first installment of what is coming. A reminder that we will get everything God has planned for us. In other words, God put his mark of ownership on me as a sign that every other thing that God has planned for me, I will get it. You get that? Then it says, a praising and glorious life. That's why when I heard of the solid trust you have in the master Jesus and your outpouring of love to all the followers of Jesus, I couldn't stop thanking God for you. And every time I prayed, I would think of you and give thanks. But I do more than ask. Ask the, the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. Again, the thing of knowing Christ. If you have to find your purpose, your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what he is calling you to do. There is something special that God wants you to do. But you need to have your eyes opened to see what he is calling you to do and grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life that he has for his followers. There is a glorious way of life for the followers of Christ. So if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away and all things have become new. He says, oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy, boundless strength. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe. Did you see what Christ is doing? He is in charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments, no name, no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all. He has a final word on everything. I like this. 
if he has a final word on everything, it means even my predestination, if I come to him, if I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, he will make sure that I fulfill what he has laid for me here on the earth. So it says he is in charge of everything. He has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not a peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. So God needs you and I to do what he wants to do here on the earth. Because it says the church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts. So when God wants to do something on the earth, he needs me. Can we all say when God wants to do something on the earth, he needs me? Amen. There are times when he will use me for other things. He will use you also for other things. There is a reason why you are here at such a time as this. You remember when Esther was in... Esther was initially known as the orphan. She grew up without the mother and the father. She was raised up by a cousin, Mordecai. Was Mordecai a cousin or an uncle? One of the two. And then, she didn't have the parents. But because your background doesn't matter, she became a queen in a foreign land. She was the first lady. Can we all say she was the first lady? In the foreign land. Which means with God, it doesn't matter where I've started. I'm predestined for great things. So now, Esther, when she was in the palace, there was a time when Haman plotted to kill the Israelites. And that plot, he wanted to kill all the Jews because Mordecai was not bowing to him, Haman. And then he made the plan to say all the Jews should be killed. Okay? And Mordecai went to Esther and said, can you go to the king and plead a case for us? And she was afraid to go to the king. She said, because it depends on the king. Sometimes the days, if the king is not in good mood, you just come before him, you may be killed. You may risk your life. Okay? And then Mordecai said to her, who knows? Maybe you are in the palace for such a time as this. So God knew that there will be a need for somebody who will speak for us before the king. And maybe this is the time. So similarly, who knows? Maybe you are at Jesus the Savior at such a time as this for a specific purpose. Who knows? You are at such a workplace at such a time as this. Who knows? You've been brought to a particular contact with certain people for such a time as this. Amen. So we should never take anything for granted and as a coincidence. There's a reason why you are here at such a time as this. There's a reason why you are where you are at such a time as this. Amen. And fulfill your purpose. Can we look at the life of Joseph? Before we do baby dedication, let's look at the life of Joseph. And I want to show you that with Joseph, his destiny, his future was already set. 
and God even revealed to him it to him in a dream. You remember he dreamt. Okay? He dreamt about his ending. You remember the story? He dreamt that his brothers and his father and mother would bow to him. That was his destination ultimately. When he shared that dream, the dream did not impress, obviously it doesn't impress the people who are supposed to buy, bow to him. Okay? But then it's also this thing where sometimes you share your dreams and your plans. It seems some people actually are not wishing that your dream should come to pass. So you also need to know who you share your dreams with. So Joseph shared it with his parents, he shared it with his brothers. But look at this in Genesis chapter 37, verse 18 to 20 in the New Living Translation. Genesis 37, 18 to 20 NLT, it says, when Joseph, so it was the time when the father sent Joseph then to go and bring and just find out how the brothers were doing out there in the field looking after the, 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 the flock. When Joseph's brother saw him coming, they recognized him in a distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Why did they want to kill him? They wanted to kill him for his future. But how can you kill? Because you can't kill something that has a destiny. You remember the other time I even told you when Jesus was in a boat and the winds were boisterous and the disciples thought, don't you care that we perish? And Jesus was just sleeping. I said when he said, how is it that you have no faith? He either meant you should have rebuked it or do you think I can just die here in the boat? I still have a cross to die in. So some of you also similarly, you need to refuse to die and say, I still have this and this to do. Amen. There is still something to do. But if you are only just eating food and sleeping, eating food and sleeping, then you might as well depart. Isn't it? But if there is still some things to do, you need to say, I still need to do this. I still need to be part of building the church. At Yerza River, building the church of the Lord. We still need to see many people coming to the Lord. I still want to testify to many people. Amen. I still have reasons to remain. So, but now, they thought they could kill him. They said, verse 19, here comes the dreamer, they said. And they were his brothers. They were supposed to be wishing him well. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. You see, they thought of it well. Because he went to the bush forest going to look for the brothers. So obviously if you kill him and then you make, they said they were going to take his nice robe, you see his uh, nice clothes, make it with, uh, put blood on it. When they give it to the father, the father would still think my child has died. So they said we'll tell the father that the wild animal has killed him. But I want you to look at the next statement. Then we will see what becomes of his dreams. Tell your neighbor, you can't kill somebody with a dream. Because the dream has to be fulfilled. 
You remember in Habakkuk, Habakkuk says, the vision is yet for an appointed time. At the end it will speak, it will not lie. And even though it tarries, wait for it. For it will surely come to pass. So it means if I've got a vision, if I've got a dream, and I've received that vision or that dream from the Lord, it has to be fulfilled. I can't quit before it's fulfilled. So when they say we'll see what will become of his dreams, they were mistaken. And actually what they did, this is interesting. What they did actually, God used that. You saw the first verse in Ephesians. It says, God works out everything to conform to the purpose of his plan. So even them when they were doing this, plotting against him, they threw him in the pit because Reuben said, we can't just kill our brother. Let's rather do something but not kill him. And his view was that he will take him and send him back home. So when he was not there, the brothers came when they saw the Ishmaelites coming. They sold him, at least to the Egyptians, to say, let him be far away from us and we'll forget about him. How many of you know that when they were doing that, they were helping his dream to come to pass? Now you have read. You know that it had to go that way. So some of you, you might be getting betrayed by people and you think that they are pulling you down. They are actually aligning things. Aligning things for your destiny. Amen. Because they sold him. But because God knew that this man has to be a ruler of Egypt. So it means when they sold him, it was no coincidence that they sold him to the Ishmaelites who were going down to Egypt. Because God works out everything to conform to the knowledge of his will. So even though the enemy might be intending things to hurt you with, God will use that same thing to lift you up with. I like this saying that say, you must always take stumbling blocks and use them as stepping stones. So it means if the devil puts something here to block you, that's an opportunity for you to be lifted up. Amen. You use that stumbling block as a stepping stone. So look at this with me in chapter 39. Because you can never put a blessed man down. Amen. You can never put a blessed man down. I told you the other time that a blessed man is like, you know a plastic ball. Those of you who know a plastic ball. If you take a plastic ball and you put it in water, you can pressurize it ah, to go down underwater. But when you leave it, what happens? It comes up again. So that's something, there is something in me that doesn't allow me to sink. Tell your neighbor, there is something in me that doesn't allow me to sink. So they may push you down. I like Psalms 118. When you get time, go and read it. He said, they pushed me. They surrounded me like bees. But look, in the name of the Lord, I've defeated them. Amen. So in other words, they can push me. They can throw me down. But they cannot destroy me. Because there is something in me. So they did all those things. Look, now in, verse, in chapter 39, verse 1 to 6. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders. You remember I told you by the Ishmaelites. 
He was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. So with God, there is no coincidence. Even your enemies, they are working out God's plan in your life. They, they think they are doing something to hurt you with. God is aligning, he's working out a miracle. So from the Ishmaelites, he had to get connected with Potiphar, who was connected with the king of Egypt. Potiphar was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph. That's what makes the difference. If God is with you, it doesn't matter where you are. You will always surface up. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed him and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar so that he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. I want you to look at the following words. He put him in charge. You see, you cannot put a blessed man down. Amen. They sold him foreign land. But when he appeared in this foreign place, the favor of God was so great on him that they realized this man has to be put in charge. So he put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and prosperity and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. This is what we call blessing by association. Okay? Potiphar's house was blessed because of Joseph. So that's why you need to stick close to people who are blessed. If you stick close to people who are cursed, you will also be cursed by association. It works like that. Okay? So here it says, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for the sake of Joseph. So now everything in Potiphar's household started working well. Why? Because there was a Joseph there. Can you be a Joseph wherever you are? That when people associate with you, things start working well for them. It's like when God said to Abraham, I will bless you and I will make you a blessing. All the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. They will bless themselves by you. So you need to stick to people who are blessed so that you can rub off on that blessing. Amen. So it says the Lord blessed, began to bless Potiphar's household for the sake of Joseph. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. Elder, you like flourished. So they were flourishing. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry a thing except, except what? What was the thing that uh, Potiphar was only responsible for except Joseph was now in charge of everything. So he didn't worry a thing except are you not reading with me? Huh? That was his only concern. So the rest Joseph is sorting. For me, I only have to think what kind of food I will eat. Which means Joseph was really in charge. Okay? Now, as Joseph was in charge like that, now look at how everything is being worked out. 
to conform. You read in Ephesians. It says he worked out everything to conform to the knowledge of his plan. Now, Potiphar's wife started lusting after Joseph and even said, come sleep with me. And the Bible says Joseph refused for many days. Okay? And he did not refuse because he thought Potiphar would get them. Okay? Because even the day when she grabbed him and she wanted to lie with him when there were just the two of them, Joseph ran away and in a way that he even left his coat and he said, how can I do such a sin before God? Okay? So if you want to be connected to your destiny and reach your destiny, you need to shun evil. Don't take shortcut with sin because sin will sway you away from your destiny. So he refused and by that she blamed him that he wanted to rape her and she even had the evidence. If you were Joseph, how do you talk for yourself when your jacket, she says, I've got his jacket here. He wanted to rape me. So Joseph didn't have a case. Okay? But how many of you know that something is working out here? Because he had to go to the prison. And when he was in prison for something that he never did, he interpreted the butler and the baker's dreams. And as he interpreted their dreams, they were released. One was killed, one was restored to save Pharaoh. But he said, when you go before Pharaoh, remember me before Pharaoh. Because I'm here for something that I never did. But imagine, I want to tell you this. Imagine if he remembered him before Pharaoh and went and talked for him before Pharaoh and he was then just released, either on parole or just released. He would have missed his destiny. So sometimes when people, when you are looking for favor from people, they can give you a favor, but that may make you miss your destiny. So the Bible says the butler forgot about Joseph before Pharaoh. So it means even if people have forgotten you, God has not forgotten you. And sometimes when you look for favor from people, it will make you miss your destiny. Because then he was forgotten. Then he dreamt. Pharaoh dreamt. And after Pharaoh had a dream and he didn't know what to do, the butler, the Bible says, the butler now realized, actually, I forgot. There was a certain man when I was in prison who interpreted my dream. And I think he can help the king. You see, do you start to see that God is working out something? To conform to the plan of his will. So go with me to 41 verse 39 to 44 in the New King James Version. Genesis. So it means now at this time, Joseph was then released to come and interpret the dream of Pharaoh. When he was interpreting the dream of Pharaoh, listen to what Pharaoh says now. Because God is working behind the scene. Tell your neighbor, God is working behind the scene. Even when I'm here in church, God is working out something for me out there. Say it. You need to confess it. Amen. Because I don't have to see it. 
God knows and he's working it out. So now look at this. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, it's after Joseph had interpreted the dream, in as much as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. You can't put a blessed man down, people. In Potiphar's house, you come there, you rule. He went to prison. The prison warder also made him in charge. You read it in the, the verses in between. Now he goes to prison. He was made in charge of the prison. Now Pharaoh takes him out and he says, now you will rule even here in Egypt. Because that's a blessed man. He has a mark of God upon his life. So even his enemies, whatever they were working out, God used that to conform to his plan. He says, only in regard to the throne, I will be greater than you. In the other case, Potiphar was only responsible for food. <laughs> the rest was Joseph. Here, Pharaoh said, everything, you are in charge. Only with regard to the throne, I will be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. Okay? And clothed him in garment of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck and he had him ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried out before him, bow the knees. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, now look at this. I am Pharaoh. And without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. You see how much power Joseph was given? Because he obeyed God. And even when they were throwing him there, throwing him there, they thought they were killing his dreams. But they were actually helping his dreams come to pass. Tell your neighbor, sometimes your enemies will be thinking they are killing your dreams. They are actually aligning things to work out to your dreams. Because at the end, he actually had to thank them. Look at it with me in Genesis chapter 50 verse 20. Genesis 50, 20. NIV. It was when his brothers were saying, please forgive us, we really wronged you. Sorry for this, sorry for this. Sometimes your enemies will also come and do that. But then look, he didn't say, yes, it's payback time. It's payback time, no. He forgave them. But I like the words that he said in Genesis 50, 20. He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. So in other words, whatever the enemy is doing, he is doing with a purpose to destroy you, but God will use that for your advantage. You know even how Jesus was crucified. The Bible says, had the princes of this world known what they were doing, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Do you think if the devil knew that crucifying Christ means 
saving all of us, do you think he would have crucified him? So when they were crucifying him, they thought we are killing him and his dreams. But what were they doing? They were actually fulfilling his dreams. So it means in whatever happens in your life, if you are aligned with God, you just need to know that God has a final say. God has a final say. And all things work together for my good. Let's read Romans 8, 28 to 39. And the baby should be getting ready. We're going to call you now, baby. Romans 8, 28 to 39, New King James Version. Because this summarizes the things I was telling you now about. That whatever is happening in your life, as long as you know that I am predestined for greatness, there is an impact that I need to make here on the earth. I will leave a certain legacy. I will fulfill God's plan for my life. God's will, God will be glorified through my life. Now, Romans 8, 29, 39 in New King James Version it says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Is this not a summary of what I was telling you? So even when those things were going, whatever way they were going, they were actually working out together for the purpose that God had for the life of Joseph. So all things work together for good to those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined. You see that word predestined? That we saw in Ephesians. So he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, this also he called. Whom he called, this also he justified. Whom he justified, this also he glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Tell your neighbor, if God be for me, who can be against me? Actually, it's good when God is for me because I don't have to fight my battles. God fights for me. You remember when Saul was persecuting the church of God? Jesus says, the Lord says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It will be hard for you to kick against the pricks. So sometimes when people think they are persecuting you, they are actually fighting God. And it will be hard for them to kick against the pricks. Now listen. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how, did, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? Because it is Christ who died. And furthermore, it's also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us? Who, what sh who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, what shall separate you from your destiny? What shall separate you from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness, or peril, or sword. Can anything separate you from the love of Christ? Can anything separate you from your destiny? 
Because even persecutions, even sword, even peril, all those things, God will use them to conform to the purpose of his will for my life. Now, he says, let's read verse, verse 37. Yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers nor things present nor things to come. You see this. In other words, he has realized with God on my side, even if the, the hell breaks loose, nothing will move me from God's purpose. Nothing will separate me from my destiny in the Lord. Nothing will separate me from the love of God in me. So he says, neither height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So tell your neighbor, nothing shall separate me from the love of God. Nothing shall separate me from my destiny. I'm created for greatness. I will leave a mark on this earth. I will leave a good legacy on this earth. I will be remembered even after my death.